0: This is the Technology Advisory Professionals Technology, Innovation, and Growth Podcast hosted by Sean Gaincheris. This podcast is dedicated to supporting business leaders and entrepreneurs in choosing technology, finding innovation, and achieving growth. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome welcome to the show. I'm Sean Charis, and today's episode is Innovation Shouldn't Be a Mystery. Uh, We're joined today uh, by two friends and business leaders that I'm excited excited to have on the show. Gersharan Singh-Pabla is an engineer that spent many years in oil and gas, but left that world to start his own home building uh, company and real estate empire. Uh, He is a wildly intelligent person who always comes up with creative approaches. Welcome, Gersharan. Thank you. Uh, and we've got Pam Prince, uh, who's a bright and motivated senior manager for an international aviation services company that has spent many years uh, in many different accounting and management roles. She's an extremely creative person in her own right, and possibly the only reason I passed accounting. Welcome, <laughs> Pam.
1: <laughs> Thanks, John.
0: So so uh, I submit to both of you that that innovation may be have a perception problem and that some people think that there's a, there are real hurdles to innovation. But Pam, let me start with you. Do you agree that there's a perception problem? Maybe that pie in the sky mentality?
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. I almost think that innovation has turned into this buzzword that people now use, and they actually don't even understand what it means. Um, I think you know, there's the extremes of some people thinking, well, innovation is building a new product and you have to have millions of dollars and, and R&D division. And that's what innovation, the definition of innovation. Um, and they're missing a whole wide world of what innovation can actually do for a company. And there's so much happening in every industry with disruption that if you're not actually instilling an innovate, a culture of innovation uh, within every layer of your business, you're, you're going to get beat out by competition right um so i think i think that there's absolutely misperception out there about innovation and that people have this idea that it's you know building the next iphone or whatever Right. they think it, it needs to be that's going to revolutionize the world
0: right bunch of talented artsy people doing talented artsy things and going there we go now let's move forward right right um Gershon, if we can get past that perception hurdle, uh, are, do you see any substantive challenges with with executing uh, change in most companies?
2: There are challenges with innovation. It's not uh, it's not an easy task to go through, but it's not a challenging one. Um, the process of ideation, um, solutioning. Sorry, identify the problem, ideation, solutioning, and then execution. That's pretty formulaic, and, and most people can adhere to that process. But there, there are two kind of substantive issues that are more challenges that I do see. One is ensuring that the solutioning is broad enough, and that's a very obvious one. Let, let's ensure our solutioning is broad enough. We're not just focusing on technological. Solutions like Pam mentioned, we're also focusing on business model innovation. We're focusing on lean approaches, customer feedback to, to enhance our, our approach to our problem solving. Um, and that can be quite readily resolved with enough guidance. The more sinister or the more challenging one is, I would say, a stakeholder challenge. Um, understanding that the higher ups are the ones that you'll need to convince so that this innovation actually goes through is is a challenge. And for companies that are sitting on either a profitable position, what they're doing right now is working. It's hard for them to move from that over to something that may change how they do business altogether. And that in itself is scary. And People do not like that type of change. So I find the greatest challenge is getting over that stakeholder piece and, and ensuring the folks who are Authorizing this this innovation um, are aligned with it, right?
0: Right, and you bring up a good point there, actually. That that uh, and we were we uh, full disclosure we all participated in in uh, the innovation Olympics. Um, and one of those things that that you bring up is the buy in from the from the leaders. And I can't speak to to your experience, but maybe you can tell us, Pam and Gershon, about your experience. but mine was was very much leadership uh, was uh, in the initial phases was entirely bought in and in deep innovation. but uh, at some point, seeing you know some of these ideas that fall outside of their core business, uh, they quickly started to retreat and and started to feel you know what maybe we don't want to be that innovative. Is that what you guys uh, experienced?
1: Um, I actually would say it was a little different for us. Um, our our client wasn't a traditional client as well, which I think kind of helped. Um, you know, I, I was actually rereading you know, kind of the what we did with IXL just to kind of refresh myself of of the process and, and what ended up happening. And one of, them, one of my notes in the report was about how the client chose uh, kind of coming into our last presentation when we were really whittling down on what we were going to, you know, research and present on. And they specifically chose something they didn't know anything about. Mm. Right? Interesting. And so they, you know, there were some ideas that we had already proposed that they had actually already been working on. And so they chose something that they actually didn't know anything about and thought that they would use our time to actually investigate that more to see if it would be an option for them. So, you know, this is so client specific. And I think that, you know, I I 100% agree with Gersher on statements about stakeholders. If your stakeholders are scared of change or don't buy into change or feel that their business model is working, then there's no point in even talking to them about trying to build an innovative culture. Right. Right. And, you know, their innovation is, is actually more, you know, process improvement. Right. 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 right? That that's what they're looking for. And right. those two things are different things. Process improvement. Um still is, valuable. It's still valuable. hundred percent, but not going to move the dial. Right. Right. So 100 percent businesses need to be doing process improvement. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be looking at that minutiae. Um, but, you know, putting in lean, if you're not a lean organization, is innovating your business. Tweaking your lean program is not innovation.
2: Right. Right. Could, it, could it be, Pam, that the difference between incremental or evolutionary uh, innovation versus the revolutionary style is is perhaps what you're alluding to?
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe. I think that if you are wanting to build a culture of innovation, then there needs, there's going to be some risk is is maybe where I'm going with it, right? And that the, the stakeholders that you're working with need to be open to that risk and tweaking your processes to improve your customer service and things like that, which some people can think are innovative, right? Like that's that's kind of coming back to my beginning statement of my opinion is, you know, the world has a misperception of what innovation is. They think that because I, I invest in process improvement specialists in my business, therefore I have an innovative culture. Um, and potentially there is some innovation happening there from that department. It depends on right. what the work that department's doing, right? Right. Um, I think you know, another buzzword that's happening in the world and back into kind of technology, digital transformation, right? right? That 100% could be an innovative program for a company if they're doing a digital transformation. I also think some people say, I'm doing a digital transformation and that means that they're putting in a new ERP, but they're just replacing an old one. Right. Ah, I'm digitally transforming. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just replacing one thing with another thing and you've done right. nothing to actually transform your business, right?
0: Well, and and you know that you make you making a great point in that in that when we talk about that innovation, like how far your core is here. If you're just doing a digital RIP, ERP and you're replacing, are you going outside of that core? or are You really staying within that core, and that's possibly, you know, when people start to to see that process and see how these these ideas come together and how they link. Uh, to expand that core, to create a new core, I mean, then they start to understand that implementing a new ERP is probably not uh, actual innovation. Uh, so we're in Calgary, obviously, uh, for, for people who didn't know. And Calgary is mainly an uh, an oil and gas town and has been for many, many years. Uh, and the last few years since, since probably 2015 have been pretty rough. Uh, especially since the start of COVID, so is is there um, how desperate or how important is it for cities like Calgary and Houston? I guess would be another one. Uh, how important is it for cities like Houston to to innovate? Start with you, Gershon.
2: Sure, um, I, it's it's incredibly important for for that process, um, and I think we're kind of bitten by it's it's when I when I kicked off in oil and gas we were using um 1980s technology to build billion dollar plants up north so from that technological perspective were we really being cutting edge no we weren't um but that also highlights to me a a more in-depth problem at that time there was a hundred dollar oil demand was perceptibly high because people assume that there's high demand so let's 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 build these plants at the cheapest cost, not understanding that uh, sorry and, and when demand's high i'm blinded by the the desire to satisfy that demand that's my only objective and I lose sight of, of what may be around the corner. problem is market's fickle that demand pulls away, and now we're left trying to trying to scramble and do other things and that's when people start to start to Think about or beat the drums of innovation so that we can move towards that direction um, personally if, if we were to have a more sustained that's my belief is if we have more of a sustained approach towards innovation we'd be more uh, capable of, of either expanding our market segments or um, while and, and and weathering storms like this so uh, to, to answer your question like sustained innovation is something that's absolutely critical we invest in it on in my company. Um, and it's just a, it's, yeah, it's very important.
0: Excellent. So, and to both of you, you know, does does a company require anything specific to embark on this innovation path for them? Like, do they have to have specific technologies or specific people or skill sets or any of that stuff?
2: I think Pam alluded to it quite earlier as having an innovation culture is critical, but it's not quite a culture you just have to be that you just have to believe that innovation is a necessity um, and just the necessity of innovation is is inherent in business because the shark is out there it's going to eat our lunch if we don't go through this process from there it's like the next piece is let's gather knowledge um, and try to gather knowledge about how to do it as we mentioned earlier there's uh, IO innovation olympics there's methodologies out there that we can follow to do it and then execution is, is the next piece. And then the fun begins. You start the experimentation and, and iteration from there, so.
1: Yeah, I agree with gershon on its attitude, right? Right. It, that's the number one thing you need to have is coming into, the, coming into any kind of innovation is being able to challenge the norms, um, do the research, you know, a good dose of common sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um a, a a strong financial backing from somebody who would do the numbers and make sure that you're not you know making the wrong decisions on on as you narrow down options. but you know there's any any company could take on an innovation if they had the desire without right. having to spend hire a bunch of expensive resources or spend a bunch of money on technology or anything it's it's brain power
0: right right and not necessarily and again to to, to drive home that point because uh, again I, I think this is probably one of the most important points it's not just creative people i mean you have to have uh you have to have really numbers of people you have to have really uh, you have to have People who are process oriented. Yes, you do have to have a couple of ideation people who are who are you know moonshot people. Let's do this. Let's go through that. But you also need to counterbalance that with people who are going to say, Yeah, but how are we going to pay for that? Or, Yeah, I, I like your idea, but you know, you know, sure, you want to build a an electric car, but you, you're going to send a rocket to space. Possibly, right. a, possibly a bad example <laughs> of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, so, <clears throat> so, what, I guess the, I just want to focus a little bit on, on you guys right now, uh, in what how you see innovation working in, in two very different uh, industries. Obviously, Gershon in, in home building, and, and Pam in the uh, I want to say aerospace, and I guess that that's the right industry, uh, right industry. Yeah, so,
1: technically, that is the mothership.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Pam will start like how how are you executing or how are you encouraging uh, innovation in aerospace which from my perspective is a is a industry that is rife with with innovation.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's been I've been really pondering that as uh, as I've been coming into this because you're right, you know, people think aerospace and they go that is the ultimate Picture of innovation, and it's true, right? Like aerospace is technically rocket ships going to Mars, um, and it's also, you know, a float plane taking people from, you know, the Vancouver pier to uh, an island, right? <laughs> that, right? And it's, you know, a, a kid's drone that is being played with in the backyard. Right. That that is technically the scope of of aerospace. As soon as it leaves land. You're in the aerospace industry, um, so it's broad. It's very, very broad. I work in uh, for a company that uh, is on the aviation side of aerospace. So I'm not in the space side of aerospace, right. um, but I am on the aviation side of aerospace, and and we work with airlines. So obviously, our industry is being hit very hard by COVID right. um, with passenger confidence at its lowest it's ever been, even after 9-11, which is something to be said. Um, so, you know, from an from a from an aviation perspective and innovation, it's really the big manufacturers that drive a lot of the innovation. Um, so it's the Boeings and the Airbuses who are trying to take the aircraft and make it as light as possible, as fast as possible, as comfortable as possible and keep the maintenance as low as possible right so one of the biggest expenses for airlines is fuel right and fuel's heavy right and so there's a lot of innovation happening in the world right now around electronic what can we do with electronic the other thing that's being um worked on very heavily is biofuels can we get away from fossil fuels and go to biofuels uh in aircraft, right? Um Qantas announced, that's a big Australian airline, announced that they had moved one of their uh planes to biofuels, right? Mm. Um which is like like that's all very fascinating stuff, right? Uh you look at Amazon and they're thinking about can they do deliveries with drones, right? And get away from their their fleet of 737s that deliver their products around the globe, right? right. One of the largest airlines in the world, which people don't think about is FedEx. Mm, right? right, They have sure. the most planes of any airline out there, mm. right? So there's this broad scope of airline, if you think about it from that perspective. Right. Um, when you get down into the services side of the world, like the people who fix airplanes, they're also innovating. So they're looking at using drones to do inspections of the aircraft, mm. right? Um, there's lots of work being done on augmented reality for mechanics
2: oh, and
1: uh, virtual reality and uh, voice to text for instructions, right? Hmm. So as as the mechanics are tearing apart their airplanes, you know, and they're they're an apprentice mechanic. How do we get instructions to them? And now we're in a COVID world. So oh. should we be side by side with an experienced mechanic looking over the shoulder of an apprentice mechanic trying to repair the airplane? So there's actually in an industry that is suffering deeply because of of COVID. The last count I heard, there was something like 26 airlines that have now declared bankruptcy um, around the globe. Even with that happening, there's mass innovation still going on because we're still trying to figure out how do we serve uh, the public, how do we make everyone feel safe to get on an airplane, what kind of air filtration do we need to put on the aircraft? What kind of blockades do we need to put in between seats? What can we do? What can we do for cleaning? What can we do for hygiene? How are people gonna feel safe getting on a plane for 12 hours, right? right. So there's there's all kinds of things happening. Get further in the supply chain. There's a, airports are innovating. How do we make passengers feel safe getting from their car to the aircraft, Right. right? Yeah. So there, it's it's definitely an interesting time to be in this industry, uh, and there's lots of innovation happening.
0: Right. Yeah. And the the Boeing three seven thirty seven max. Yeah. That didn't. <laughs> yeah. That that's you know it's COVID after that it's just really decimated. Boeing's had a. I mean, Boeing will be fine ultimately, I believe, but they've had a pretty rough time of it in the last year, we'll say.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah yeah.
0: I mean they've. They, you would argue they could have brought it. They brought it on themselves, but yeah, yeah. that's that's a different that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> uh, and Gershon, what about home building?
2: So home building's quite um, it's a bit of a, a wild race going on there as well. Pam went quite in depth with that. So there's like a technical race, actually not quite race, but there's there's technical approaches to how we're trying to innovate. Um, some are trying to do three D printing. From a from a technology point of view, the one that's most interesting to me is actually related to the customer experience side, um, where augmented reality is being used right now, or or people are trying to move towards augmented reality to help customers visualize the end product, right, and be able to do remote showings and stuff of that nature. Versus actually seeing a home, it actually quite works out quite well for for a home even without the COVID situation for a home builder without the COVID situation because um, it allows for us to it allows for us to create a virtual show home by chance, by, instead of having a physical product that we have to keep with upkeep and payments and, and debt and all that other stuff that we need to service at that point. So it becomes quite nice for us to be able to uh, leverage technology once those are readily available. Um, the ones that, again, excite me more are, are shifts in the business model. Um, so right now, from professional custom homes, which is our core business, we're actually launching a uh, another vertical called Urban Avos, and, and it's a rental division for us. And so we're uh, we're creating a rental division so we can try to integrate the two and take advantage of all, all our competencies. So that's always an exciting piece to to talk about. Um, the rental space is actually growing and sustaining over the COVID period, as well as the home built home sales space. So. We're fortunate and grateful for that, uh, that that we've gotten that type of response from our customers. Um, And so just to kind of lead into that earlier, the biggest challenge that we faced at the start was more related to finding a space in the market that was untapped. I'm personally someone who doesn't like to compete. Um, I don't like to compete with anybody because I like to be in a space where I'm, I'm the only show, right? Right. So I focused on, I'm, I'm a big fan of the lean approach, the lean methodology for approaching um, innovation. So we, after some customer research, and we were able to essentially carve out a space in the market where we're circumventing the traditional movement of, of people to to create a space where we have more cost-effective living spaces in the inner city. And and so it, it's, it was one of the, cool wins that we were able to create at, at, our, at our company and we've actually been driving business about 60 to 80% pre-sale rates because of our our um, our approach to that piece so um, and finally the, the, the last crazy thing that, that I am working on um, is related to technology itself um, I think you, you and I had a conversation about this earlier too Sean last year so um, we're actually going hard on launching that right now and, and creating um something that can predict. A predictive algorithm essentially is what we have that um, that we can use to, to help real estate investment decisions. So uh, within the real estate space, there's essentially many spaces that, that can be tapped that you can either use technology, you can use existing brick and mortar buildings. There, there's a ton of innovation that can happen. Um, pretty much the sky's the limit.
0: Right. <clears throat> I did see. I did see a, an article. I think it was on LinkedIn about. You mentioned three D printing. There were three D printing building blocks, and they would just stack the building blocks together to create create a home in whatever configuration they want. Which I thought was, you know, I I, I don't know how sturdy that is. Yeah, I'll I'll leave that to people smarter than me. But I mean, an interesting concept, anyways.
2: On Lego exercise
0: right yeah, exactly i'll do the minecraft thing and i'll just put all the blocks together for all the younger kids who don't know how lego worked when we were younger well that's another conversation altogether the other thing i you know i'd, I'd uh, like to draw attention to is something that both of you pointed out is is culture and and that as that's actually a uh, an episode for another time but but uh, culture is, is really king. Like if you're, uh, if you're a uh, business leader right now and you're looking to uh, provide innovation or get innovation into your business, having a culture of innovation is, is really where you start. I mean, you know, getting people to believe. It's not hard when you empower people down the line because everybody down the line is like, oh, cool, they, they value my input. I'm really excited about uh, giving good input, but if you, unless you breed and 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 nurture that, and really support these people, and and they're in the innovation mindset, kind of just dies on the vine. At least that's my experience, anyways.
1: Yeah, I would just to add to that, I would say it's easier to say no than it is to say yes.
2: Right. right?
1: Absolutely. And, and that no culture is what you have to get rid of.
0: Right. Absolutely. I, I, Google started years ago with their everybody had fifteen percent of their time devoted to just whatever they wanted to put it towards, and they created some. You know, like you could argue it created some great things. It created some not so not so great things, but they're one of the they're one of the biggest companies in the world right now. So, you know, how do you argue with the outcome, right?
1: Yeah, not everything's going to win. You are going to no. have some failure, but that's okay. You're going to learn stuff.
2: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really, Absolutely. Depends on, really depends on the approach, too. It's like uh, At the end of the day, you have to be willing to, to take that risk and, and take, get, uh, get that loss. Um, but if you can build on small successes and, and then you end up with a monster success at the end, that's kind of a, a nice way to do it as well. So there's many approaches for sure, but that cultural yeah. piece is critical, is just being willing to say yes, which is what Pam said earlier. Uh, and then the other, other piece is just take the risk. You will fail, but yeah, and you learn from it.
0: Right, fail fast. Take the risk. <laughs> fail fast. If you're gonna yeah. fail. Do it. Do it fast, and then you know move on. Uh, you'll right. you'll eventually hit a home run. I mean that's that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, I, I I guess in this whole thing, what what I think the most important takeaway uh, in this is. That innovation is is not is not entirely just a cultural, uh, sorry, a creative affair. Although it is creative, you still need people to to uh, rein it in and to execute it. So you need peop- You need the whole gamut of people. It's not prohibitive. Uh, you can get into innovation, uh, should you, sh- and you could and should get into innovation at any point. And um, you know, it it's 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 not. It's not based on just, you know, here's an idea that we should do. It's here's an idea we should do and here's how we're going to do it as well. Because you have to actually execute on this idea. Uh so we're we're kind of running out of time. Uh, you know, Gershon, you touched a little bit on what, what you're doing with with uh in your empire, but maybe you could give us a, a minute or two about that.
2: Sure, sure. So um our core business we started seven years ago is professional custom homes. We build infills in the inner city. We moved from building one or two um, during one of the toughest times that Alberta's experienced economically since the '80s to about 20 to 30 homes right now. Um, and we've in parallel started launching, um, as I mentioned, another vertical focused on property management and rentals. So that's kind of our. Our core business is the infills, and then doing development with rentals is our second wing. And then I'm personally with another business partner. It's kind of unplugged from that system, taking the knowledge and the learnings and the challenges that we're facing from there, and, and running a real estate uh, tech company that's focused on the pop tech space, real estate tech, pop tech, same thing. And then with that, we're we're moving towards creating technologies that are focused on convenience, simplicity. And just easy use, similar to what Square is relative to um, these are Mastercards, uh, while taking insights from that not from that space, um, from that data or the information that we're getting to create um, business intelligence, decision-making tools for for potential real estate investors or builders or property management companies, just. Yeah. So that's kind of the gist, the third, the three things that I'm working heavily on right now.
0: Right. Excellent. That's you know, exciting.
1: Gershwan, he probably has 10 more ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's, for those who don't know Gershon, you know, a, a, a rolling stone gathers no moss. That's how he kind of lives his life, forever in motion, forever doing things. So, I mean, it's great. Uh, Pam, I, you know, maybe you've got uh, some things going on.
1: Yeah, honestly, right now it's it's a lot of work at at my company, right? Um, right. Being in aviation and and having commercial airlines as our primary customer, um, there's just been a lot of work over the last few months trying to figure out what is this going to look like and how quickly is the industry going to going to come back. It's actually watching the pandemic from a global basis um, and and seeing where markets are rebounding and what opportunities we have. Uh, it, it it's such a funny time. Like I said, there's so much innovation happening in the industry because of the pandemic. Um, and then there's also these opportunities. You know, 26 airlines have gone bankrupt. There's buying opportunities like crazy. So, you know, trying to find um, the right things to invest in and make smart investments that aren't going to uh, you know, damage the company in the long term while we try to survive and and thrive through this. Right. Um, and and I'll I'll say at this point, um, you know, anybody that's on the airline side uh, is is trying to survive. That right. that aerospace as a whole, though, you know, the the commercial aviation is what's being impacted. If right. you look at medivac, if you look at freight, if you look at uh, business charter, um, there's a whole bunch of that are actually booming during this this time right um defense is through the roof uh with growth because countries are saying well we need to invest in infrastructure let's let's invest in aerospace defense that's someplace where we can put money in and employ all of these aviation people that are unemployed right right so there's there's definitely pockets of the segments that are doing very well uh i just happen to work in a segment that is not
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, it's it's not going anywhere, so it'll it'll come around. It's
1: a hundred percent. You know, a hundred percent. Ayata is saying um, that they think we'll be back at pre-COVID levels in twenty twenty four. That's their okay. projection. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a long road, but you know, there's going to be winners and losers, and and it's it's definitely a fun challenge being in in management and the leadership team trying to figure this out.
0: Right. Knock knock on wood for a vaccine in January, and then we can we can start getting back to to reality or what our po- our pre COVID reality. Yes. Any- <clears throat> Anyways, guys, it was great to have you on. Uh, you know what? We uh, if people want to contact you, send us an email at at podcast at tapintotech.com. dot com. I am happy to uh, share contacts with people who want to get in touch with Gershon or with. Pam, uh, and we'd love to uh, to spread the spread the business. All right, so we will uh, talk to you guys uh, later. Thank you for joining us. Thanks,
2: John. It was an absolute pleasure, Sean. Thank you. Thanks.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the Technology Innovation and Growth Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would just like more information, please feel free to reach out to us at podcast at tapintotech.com. If you have any questions for me, Sean Gange-Harris, my email is sgangeharris at tapintotech.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and at www.tapintotech.com. Music provided today by www.bensound.com. Thank you for listening.